Oh, for grace to trust him more. Such precious words. Well, my name is Steve Grissom. I'm the associate pastor here. If we haven't met yet, Pastor Mike uh, made me laugh this morning. He said, you know how you know if the associate pastor or the youth pastor are preaching, they've got a coat or a tie on. (laughs) Well, it is good to be with you this morning. So thankful to be able to preach from Psalm 37. So if you have a Bible, I hope you do, go ahead and start turning there. As you get settled into the passage, I want to bring up a maze that my daughter Shelby made. It's going to be on the screen here in a second. I've bragged on several occasions of Shelby's artwork. Besides being a budding artist, she's very creative, much more creative than her father. This is one of the mazes that she made. Um, Some of you are probably starting to work through it right now. But um, whenever you make a maze, of course, you want others to figure it out. So she's given it to us and we, we've tried to tackle it, but I must admit on occasion I've started at the finish and worked backwards. This little workaround, notice I didn't say cheat, but this little workaround helps me see the bigger picture um, if you start at the end. Well, life can be like a maze to many. One author, Roger Van Oyck, said, life is like a maze in which you try and avoid the exit. Well, that's not the case for those who follow Christ. We're not avoiding the exit. We've got one leading, leading us through the maze of life, the one who brings life, Jesus Christ. So in today's passage, we find a bit of a maze that helps us connect the start and the finish. This maze helps us to deal with the issues of life and death, with wisdom and folly, with reward and punishment. David is our author this morning. David wrote half of the Psalms, but this one is a bit different. This is different than his other writing, and, and commentators concluded this Psalm is so steeped in wisdom tradition that it could be included in the book of Proverbs. You'll see a lot of similarities as we go through it. But as we go through Psalm 37, David is reminding us what matters most as we trust God. So my goal for us today as we go through Psalm 37 is that we will see three aspects of the victorious life in following the Lord. Now as we've been going through the wisdom literature, it's helpful to read the literature, the scripture itself. So I know that this is a lengthy psalm, 40 verses, but Pastor Mike is preaching on 42 chapters in the book of Job next week. So this is is short. So let's read through Psalm 37 together. It's going to help set the table for us as we quickly go through it afterwards. So Psalm 37, a Psalm of David. Do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. For they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. Making your righteousness shine like the dawn, your justice like the noonday. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for Him. Do not be agitated by one who prospers in his way, by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. 
Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. For evildoers will be destroyed. But those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked person will be no more. Though you look for him, he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. The wicked person schemes against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. The Lord laughs at him because he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and strung the bow to bring down the poor and needy and to slaughter those whose way is upright. Their swords will enter their own hearts and their bows will be broken. The little that the righteous person has is better than the abundance of many wicked people. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord supports the righteous. The Lord watches over the blameless all their days, and their inheritance will last forever. They will not be disgraced in times of adversity. They will be satisfied in days of hunger. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies, like the glory of the pastures, will fade away. They will fade away like smoke. The wicked person borrows and does not repay. But the righteous one is gracious and giving. Those who are blessed by the Lord will inherit the land, but those cursed by Him will be destroyed. A person's steps are established by the Lord, and he takes pleasure in his way. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed, because the Lord supports him with His hand. I have been young, now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. He is always generous, always lending, and his children are a blessing. Turn away from evil. Do what is good and settle permanently. For the Lord loves justice and will not abandon his faithful ones. They are kept safe forever, but the children of the wicked will be destroyed. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it permanently. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. His tongue speaks what is just. The instruction of his God is in his heart. His steps do not falter. The wicked one lies in wait for the righteous and intends to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in the power of the wicked one or allow him to be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. And he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will watch when the wicked are destroyed. I have seen a wicked, violent person, well-rooted like a flourishing native tree. Then I passed by and noticed he was gone. I searched for him, but he could not be found. Watch the blameless and observe the upright, for the person of peace will have a future. But transgressors will all be eliminated. The future of the wicked will be destroyed. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Their refuge in a time of distress The Lord helps and delivers them. He will deliver them from the wicked and will save them because they take refuge in Him. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we look at Your Word, as we turn to Your Word, remind us of its power. Open our eyes to see Your beauty as we take delight in You. Help us, Father, to trust You. Help us to wait for You. And Lord, help us to see Your goodness in a land where there is injustice, where the evil seem to be flourishing, in fact, are at times. So Lord, turn our eyes to You. And Lord, we trust You in this hour. May Christ be glorified 
It's in his name we pray. Amen. So we see a world that is full of corruption, a world that's full of arrogance and violence and injustice, and we become agitated, we become frustrated and irritated, and that's how the psalm begins. We can become agitated about a lot of things, but this psalm is not about pet peeves. It begins with envy. That's where the psalm begins, and envy is a desire or a longing for what others have or who they are, and the author, David, he, he recalibrates our hearts in verse 1. He says, do not be agitated by these evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong. So this word of wisdom reminds us that their prosperity is limited. It is for a short time. So David is redirecting our desires. Our desires are to be taken from God. We are to delight in Him. So the first point that I want us to see for the victorious life is trusting in the Lord when envy consumes. When we're consumed with envy, when it begins to creep in, we are called to trust in the Lord. It's easy to look to the left, look to the right, and look to what others are doing and respond to the wicked. It's easy to get caught up and to lose sight of God's character. But let us not take notice of their what they are doing, but rather let us fix our sights on the Lord. The Lord is mentioned 15 times in this chapter, over and over again. This is who the Lord is, and this is what He is doing. So while we will look at the schemes of the wicked, I don't want us to dwell there. Let us linger for a few moments in verses 3 through 5. In fact, Jennifer already read a few of these verses, but it sounds similar to Proverbs 3. Let's reread verses 3 through 5. It says, Trust in the Lord. Do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Take delight in the Lord. He will give you your heart's desires. So this is the recipe. This is the fix for verses 1 and 2. When the evil doers, when evil is flourishing, we are called to trust in the Lord. And so over and over again, we see what we are called to do is to look to God, to see His character. Trust in the Lord. Trusting includes faith. Faith in the one who defends us and goes before us. As we trust in the Lord, our faith is not fixed in our circumstances, but on God and His promises. As we trust and fix our faith in Him, what are we doing? We're submitting to His will. We're submitting to His will in the hope that He will right the wrongs that are done. Also, Psalm 37 tells us in verse 4 to take delight in the Lord. Now, when I was 16, I didn't focus on the first half of this verse. Um, in fact, I focused on the second half. And when I was in 16 in youth group, I remember writing this verse down, putting it in my wallet for years, and I was delighted. And because the second half of verse 4 says, He will give you your heart's desires. Now, at that time as a 16-year-old, my heart's desires were probably a sports car or a better jump shot so that I could make the varsity basketball team. But I have a sneaking suspicion that's not what David is focusing on here. He's not teaching us to, to focus on our heart's desires. The reality is that the desires of our hearts are changed 
as we are delighting in the Lord. When we take delight in the Lord and when we desire what He desires. When I'm delighting in the Lord, I'm not delighting in worldly material values, but delighting in who the Lord is and His purposes for me. So, let me just take a quick aside. What does delighting in God look like? Well, this includes sacrificing time, sacrificing money, sacrificing for your family. It includes submitting to others so that you can show them the love of Christ. It includes, as Mike read earlier, loving your enemies. This is what sets us apart as Christ followers, that we love our enemies. It includes forgiving others and seeking forgiveness. It includes not speaking slanderously about others. It includes spending time in God's Word and prayer. This is what delighting in the Lord looks like. So when we delight in the Lord, we are delighting in His kingdom and not man's kingdom. So David is instructing us not to be envious, not to become agitated, or even angered when others are prospering. Why, why do we become angered? Well, because we think we're the judge, or we want to be the judge, and we think that's not fair. So don't hear the, these as isolated phrases, don't behave this way or that way commands, but look at what your Heavenly Father is doing in the greater picture. Let's zoom out for a few seconds. In the greater picture, we see some contrasting couplets. In verses 2 and 3, the wicked are like withering grass, but the righteous live in a land that flourishes. In verse 9, the evildoers will be destroyed, but the righteous inherit the land. In verses 10 and 11, the wicked person will be no more, but the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. So when we zoom out, we see this is what God is doing. Our prosperity may not be in the here and now. In fact, many times it's not. But it is ultimately better as we wait for God to act. This, let's go back to verse 5 in this section we're lingering in for a second. It says, let's read this imperative. Verse 5, it says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. Again, we are committing to God because of His character. We're trusting in Him knowing that He will act. God is not done. He is not done. And so Psalm 62 reminds us to trust in Him at all times. That's not trust in Him on Sundays only, but trust in Him at all times. It says, O people, pour out your, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. The inner orchestra of fleshly thoughts rage inside of my heart. They rage inside of my mind at times. But it's imperative for me, it's imperative for you to heed these well-worn words of another psalm. Be still and know that I am God. So the victorious life begins with trusting in the Lord when envy creeps in. Second, the victorious life also includes understanding the Lord's timetable when injustices rage. The largest section of this psalm reminds us that there are many injustices. I'm not going to highlight a few. You can turn on the news and see these injustices. But the main theme of this second section is pretty straightforward. The wicked plot in vain 
and will come to ruin, while the Lord upholds and preserves the righteous. That's what we see in the second section. The wicked are plotting, but it's going to come to ruin. But the Lord upholds and preserves the righteous. I've got a chart. If you could bring that chart up here real quick. You see the difference between the wicked and the righteous. The wicked are plotting, uh, and the righteous are upheld by the Lord. The wicked perish, but the righteous will live forever. You see several different contrasts between the wicked and the righteous. Much could be said about this section, but I want us to just look at verse 28 to kind of summarize this entire section. This is a key verse that unlocks the section for us, to understand the Lord's timetable when injustice seems to rule. Verse 28 says this, The Lord loves justice and will not abandon His faithful ones. They are kept safe forever, but the children of the wicked will be destroyed. When we zoom out, this is what is happening. God is not forgetting His children. In fact, the ESV says He will not forsake His saints. So believer, hear this this morning. God will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. God does not forsake His children and He will not abandon them in the end. So hear this. Whenever you don't understand the injustices that are raging, understand that the Lord's timetable is not complete. So we see that we are called to trust in the Lord. We are to understand the Lord's timetable when injustices are raging. And third, the victorious life includes waiting for the Lord. Deliverance is coming. This is the last section, verses 34 through 40. There's a theme of inheritance. You might have heard this as we read through the chapter. For those who trust in God. Seven different times there is inheritance for those who trust in God. Those who wait for the Lord. Those who keep His way will be exalted and inherit the land. That's what the psalm, that's what David is telling us. Listen to the wise words from William Van Gemeren that I read this past week. He said, The psalm calls on the godly to dwell in the land by continuing their lives as normally as possible, even in adversity. God gave Canaan to Israel, and He has reserved the earth for all who love Him. What a promise to all who receive the promises of the covenant in Christ Jesus. So even in adversity, we wait. Even in adversity, we worship. We read in verse 7 to be silent before the Lord and to wait expectantly for Him. Now, again, we see the same thing pick up in verse 34. Wait for the Lord and keep His way. If I didn't know better, this sounds like the end of Ecclesiastes that Pastor Cody preached on last week. We are to wait for the Lord and keep His way. We are to fear the Lord and keep His commandments. We wait for the Lord. As I've said before, and as you've experienced before, waiting is hard. It is hard to wait. But God is teaching us something in the waiting. We wait for various things in life. We wait for our coffee to finish brewing so we can begin our morning. We wait for flowers to bloom after seeds are planted and watered. We wait for babies to be born, for degrees to be earned, or even worse, 
we wait for our internet browser to load. But in the pain and in the process and in all of the stress, we are waiting with anticipation. There is an anticipation that's building in the psalm for the wise who wait. There is wisdom in waiting. The psalm describes the waiting while the wicked are flourishing or seeming to flourish. There's a lot of similarities between this psalm and Psalm 73. I encourage you to go back and read it later. But the wicked, the evil who plot and plan, will no longer flourish. Though they flourish, though they are prospering, it is for a time. They will perish. But for the righteous, for the God-fearing, the ones who hope in the Lord, you and I who are united to Christ by faith, we have a future. This is where the end of the psalm is taking us. It is reminding us for the people of God, the children of the Lord, we have a future. We are kept safe by God's covenantal faithful love. As the book of Romans reminds us, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. So how does this faithful covenantal love for His children connect to the injustices that we see? These injustices are not beyond the scope of our sovereign God. He is aware and He is just. Our role is not to rouse Him from His slumber. He is not sleeping. Our role is to remain faithful amidst the chaos of life. Our role is Defined in verse 27, turn away from evil and do good. This is wisdom for us today. I love the wisdom which flows from older believers. In fact, this past week I was speaking with an older believer and he said, I've determined this year to read the book of Proverbs 12 times a year, once each month. We need that sort of wisdom in our life. This is the sort of wisdom that David spoke of in verse 25. He says, I've been young, now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. We have a heavenly Father who meets our every need. That's why we pray the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So God is good and His plans are good for His children. That's why we can rejoice, we can remember, and we can repeat these words. A person's steps are established by the Lord and He takes pleasure in His way. We are called to find pleasure, to take delight in God. Take delight in knowing God. The injustices, the schemes of man will fade away. But our focus is on God who watches over us, who cares for us, and who goes before us. Remember, God is just. He is not done. So as your focus moves on what is unjust and the injustices to the just one, our triune God, let me draw your attention to a key ingredient for wise living. It's in verse 31. Verse 31, it says, The instruction of His God is in His heart. The instruction is the Word of God. And when this instruction is in our hearts, our steps do not falter. It grounds us. 
When you walk by faith, when the word instructs you, you will not falter. The word for falter, when it's derived from the Hebrew, is wobbly or shaky. I think of a stack of Jenga blocks or a baby taking their first steps when I think of the word wobble. When the word wobble is translated as a verb, it is without wavering. So let us not waver when evil and evildoers and injustice surround us and seem to be winning because God will not forsake you. He will not abandon you. He will not condemn you. But what does the end of the psalm say? He will deliver you. He will deliver you. So this is where we're going to land in the last two verses. There is deliverance during the days of distress. As I read these last two verses, it reminded me of wise words from Tim Keller, who's always filled of wisdom. Tim Keller recently wrote this, Modern society has no tools for admitting or dealing with the reality of how messed up human beings are. So true. But we find answers. We found, find salvation. We find deliverance in the Lord. The Lord God is our refuge, our helper, and our deliverer. As I, let, as I read these last few verses of this chapter, it reminded me of a chapter in this book, Journeys. I know I highlighted it last week. Um, I've got a few copies if you haven't ordered one yet on Amazon. But this book, Journeys, describes the plight of our Cambodian brothers and sisters. And if you'll indulge me, I just want to read a few paragraphs from Bori Long's chapter. I asked Bori if I could share this. And so I'm going to share a bit of her story. She speaks of how Cambodia fell apart. She said, in April of 1975, my country fell to a communist regime. Life became very difficult for all Cambodians. The Cambodian communist regime had leaders called the Anka. And the Anka were trying to find people who were concealing their backgrounds. Leaders who were in charge of my group, they called a meeting. They told us that everyone was equal now and encouraged us one by one in the group to speak up about how they felt, how we felt. I was young and I wasn't thinking. I stood up and I begged the, the communist leaders to show mercy to all people. One by one, others got up to express their thoughts. The situation suddenly changed. Armed guards came and surrounded us. It was then that I realized it was a trap. Some tried to escape and got caught by the guards and were killed that very night. I heard they planned to kill me the next day. I felt desperate and feared death. Friends who lived in my group tried to find a way for me to escape, but I was determined not to run away because I was afraid that they would kill all my family when they could not find me. During the night, I prayed silently to the unknown God who created heaven and earth to save my life, even though I did not know him personally at that time. I did not sleep all night. I just prayed and was terrified of what would happen to me the next day. The morning came. I saw the communist leader in charge of my group talking to two soldiers. He pointed one finger at me, but I did not hear what they said. They walked toward me. I was trying to figure out what to do, believing that they would shoot me right away. There seemed to be no hope of escape. Suddenly, one of the girl leaders who guarded me stopped the soldiers. She told them, don't take her away yet. 
She said, I was a good worker, and if I spoke up again, then they could kill me. I was stunned. With joy in my heart, I fell down on both knees out of fear and relief. I silently gave thanks to God who had heard my silent voice when I cried out for help. In my heart, I believed there was a true God, but I did not know or fully understand anything about Him. Later in the chapter, she writes, I finally understood my personal need for Christ. I prayed to the Lord God Most High and asked Him to show me mercy. I told God I wanted to know Him. I said, if you are real, I want you to reveal yourself to me so that I can be certain that you are real. I opened my Bible. I was not prepared for where my eyes focused. I read these words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. What a story of deliverance. We are called to trust the Lord, to wait for the Lord, and He will deliver. So I have two questions for you as we close. Consider these questions. Remember, Psalm 37 is for believers. So as you wait for God's plans to unfold, will you hear the Word of God and take delight in Him? Take delight in the Lord. Will you do that today? Also, Psalm 37 is for you if you've not yet trusted in Christ. So my second question, if you are not trusting in Christ yet for salvation, would you trust Him today? Isaiah reminds us to turn to me and be saved. So in the maze and the mystery of life, turn to the one and the only one who can deliver you from evil now and forevermore. His name is Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you and praise you for your word. I thank you for uh, the ways in which you teach us to turn to you, to trust in you at all times. So, Lord, we pour out our hearts to you, knowing that you will act. Lord, we delight in you. And, Lord, we thank you and praise you that you give us the desires of our hearts Our desires are to know you and to worship you. Help us in the waiting. Lord, I pray that you will help us to see your big and perfect plan. Lord, I pray for anyone this morning who has not yet trusted in Christ. I pray that even now as they hear my words, that they will call out upon your name. I thank you and praise you for your word. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.